Good morning, new community. Thank you for joining us. I'm Emily Hutchins. My husband, Jameis, and I have had the blessing of being a part of new community for nearly 18 years. Over the years, we've had the opportunity to be in community with a few different amazing small groups where some of our deepest friendships have come out of. We also help facilitate the marriage ministry at Newcom. As you listen to today's message, I pray that your heart, mind, and soul receives exactly what it needs to at this time. We have a few announcements for you this morning. We've been sending out a midweek email with interviews, reflections, videos, and activities related to practicing the presence, as well as information about what's ahead. So be sure to sign up for In The Loop if you aren't already receiving these emails. You can do that on the website homepage at new-community.com. This Sunday, we will be discussing generosity. You can find the talk as well as a written liturgy at new-community.com slash Sunday gatherings. Our worship facilitators have been compiling some amazing worship playlists and reflections each week as well that can be found there. So be sure to check it out. You can also find today's recording on iTunes or SoundCloud. We hope you enjoy. Join us in our opening liturgy. We follow you, Jesus, today as we worship from separate places and in scattered locations. We gather with words of love and devotion, in gratitude and kindness, and in a sacred meal. We pray for grace to empower our families, confession and forgiveness to reconcile enemies, and for integrity and goodness to permeate relationships. We ask for gratitude and generosity to curb our greed and for intercession to heal our city and care for the poor. As we follow you in our worship, may we become your body and embrace all people, especially our neighbors with loving kindness. We ask this in the name of the Father, the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Join us for a community confession. Generous Father, we are constantly surrounded by the blessings you have given us. Forgive us for thinking we have earned them and for failing to give you thanks. We have been blessed beyond measure, yet we allow greed to shape our generosity. We live in ways that make the here and now more important than the future. We live in ways that put ourselves and our own interests first over the needs of others and the long-term needs of the world. Father, we have not lived as you have asked us to live. We confess that we have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed by what we have done and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. We are truly sorry and we humbly repent. We pray this and ask for your forgiveness in the name of the Father, of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. New community, God is slow to anger and full of compassion. He forgives all who humbly repent and trust in his Son as Savior and Lord. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Amen.
Our way of practicing the presence of God this week is to reflect on and practice generosity. Before we get into the teaching, we encourage you to spend some time in reflection individually or as a group on this topic and also on the scriptures. We've included some questions for your introspection. What thoughts and emotions arise when you think about generosity? What did generosity look like in your life as you grew up? Do you remember any specific experiences or earliest practices of giving that stand out? What typically motivates you to be generous? Why is it challenging to be generous in the culture in which we live? Now a scripture reading from 2 Corinthians 8, verses 1 through 14. Fellow believers, we must let you know about the gift God has given to the Macedonian assemblies. They were oppressed, but came through the test with flying colors, and they were extremely happy, although they were very poor. Their wealth is now overflowing because they were, they were generous to others. Now I can testify that they did this voluntarily. They gave as much as they could afford, and in fact, they gave even more than they could afford. They greatly urged us and earnestly requested us to accept the gift of partnership they contributed to the people devoted to God. Their giving was more than expected as they gave their very selves to the Lord and also to us, just as God wanted them to do. This led us to encourage Titus, who began it all, to visit you and perform this act of worship among you with regard to this gift. But just as you have abundance of everything, of faith and word and knowledge and all earnestness and of love for us, so too you have abundance because you have given this gift. I'm not giving you a divine command, but by telling you about the earnestness of others, I am seeing if your love passes the test as being for real. I recognize our Lord Jesus, the anointed one's gift. He was wealthy, yet he became financially poor for your sakes, so that because he became financially poor, you could become wealthy. And this is my advice in this matter, and it's in your own interests. Do this just as you did it in the first place last year. 
you must perform this act of worship. Just as you eagerly intended to do it, so also you must actually perform this act of worship out of what you can afford. Provided someone is eager to give, then God accepts the gift from what the person can afford. He doesn't ask for what the person cannot afford. Now the purpose of this isn't so that others will have relief and you will have hardship, but the purpose is equality. At the present time, your abundance meets their lack, so that one day their abundance will meet your lack, and the result will be equality. Just as the scriptures say, the one who gathered much had nothing left over, and the one who gathered little had no lack. What are the phrases and instructions that stand out to you in this passage? How does giving sacrificially compare to simply giving out of abundance? Is one more representative of generosity than the other? When you are able to compassionately and freely give, how does this create space for intimacy with God? When your giving is begrudging or transactional, how does this limit your experience of intimacy with God? Describe a time when being able to practice generosity in some way that brought you joy and intimacy with God. How might you move into compassionate giving this week? New community. In a world of individualism and consumerism, we are seeking to be a community of shared resources and generosity. As Christ gave his life away, we also are called to do the same. The more generous we are as individuals and as a community, the more generous new community can be to our city, Spokane. We desire for our generosity to translate into bringing redemption to places of injustice and brokenness. We also want our generosity to be a counter-movement to the cultural and human tendency towards selfishness. We want to inspire a rhythm of generosity that calls us to freedom with our money, our time, and our resources. We believe and pray that through Christ's example, we can become an open-handed community, and perhaps that movement of generosity will be good news to Spokane. Let's close our time of reflection with this prayer. We rejoice, O God, for you have invited us to live out your image through compassion 
and generosity. Please bring to our attention when our giving is motivated by ego, false self, or desire for gain. May you overcome the guilt, shame, and pride we harbor that steal our intimacy with you. Instead, Father, may we play a part in your story of grace with joyful generosity. We pray this in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Good morning, new community. We are excited to continue our podcast on practicing the presence of God. And this week, we're looking at the practice of generosity. And we're looking at it as a means of sensing and seeing the presence of God alive and well in our life and in our community. Now, generosity has been a constant value of Newcom. Our value reads like this. Generosity. Intentionally living sacrificially with our physical resources, acknowledging that everything belongs to God. We choose to practice contentment by living within or below our means in order to have more to give away. This creates a countercultural movement that demonstrates that God's kingdom is at hand. In many ways, generosity is a byproduct of something deeper within us. If we are filled with gratitude and contentment, if we are a person of compassion and grace and mercy, if we're attentive to the Spirit, there's a great likelihood that we will be generous. This week, we've chosen to address this value a little bit differently. Instead of doing a formal interview or giving a talk about this subject, our intention today is to allow several people from our community to share by answering a few questions. We have sent the questions to the individuals or to groups and have reflected and had them reflect on their experience of generosity. Let me edit and say that part again. We have sent the questions to the individuals or the couples and have had them reflect on their experience of generosity. The format for the remainder of the podcast will be me asking a question and then receiving responses from the community members. So let's get started. Why don't you start by introducing yourself? Give us your name, how long you've been at Newcom, what group you're a part of, or an area of the church in which you volunteer, and why you choose to invest in new community. Hi, my name is Jessica Apel, and I have been coming to Newcom for a few years. It started when Newcom hosted uh, one of my favorite author, speakers, theologians, Sarah Bessie. Um, I scooped my mom up. We came to new community, not knowing anything about the church, just because um, I wanted to hear Sarah speak. And we came in and Julie Jones met us. Um, we didn't realize that my mom and Julie knew each other. So while they chatted, I just was able to watch and observe. And um, I was just blown away at the sincerity, the the realness, how genuine everyone seemed. And um was really intrigued by a church who 
wanted to bring somebody like Sarah in. Um, and, and I thought, boy, if you can bring somebody like that in and you want to hear her speak, then I want to know more about this church. Um, I came at probably the beginning of a very long and low period of my life. I was um, exiting an abusive marriage. I was back in Washington for the first time in over a decade and had no footing and life was messy trying to figure out how to be a single mom with four kids and um, dealing with all of that. It was just really important to me to find a church where my children and I wouldn't be ostracized. It would be safe to ask questions. Um, But I also wanted to be at a place where um, I knew I could trust people if I wasn't doing what I needed to be doing, Um, wanting that level of accountability. Um, So that's how it started. And since then, um, my kids are um, involved in the youth. I have a 15-year-old daughter, a 12-year-old son. Um, my other son's about to be nine. We've had two birthdays in quarantine. And um, our, my little firecracker um, daughter is five and a half. And Newcom has been gracious and kind and I love where our church is located. Um, I've always think it's a difficult thing that we do as parents to protect our children, but also to put them in the world prepared to see the world as it is. And we go to a church where real life happens all the time, all around us. And I just love that about where we come to church. And so um, it's home. And the kids and I just love being a part of a community where it's safe to be you, to ask questions about your faith, to ask questions about the world. Um, and that's that's us. What's up, Newcom? Uh, this is Ryan Minerly. Uh, I have been at Newcom for about three and a half years now, almost three and a half years. And uh, I help with the third to fifth grade kiddos, uh, the small group that normally meets uh, once a month. And uh, I choose to invest in Newcom for a ton of reasons, uh, primarily because it's just a very important place to me. And I think when there's uh, just kind of the energy that Newcom has as a community of people that you know, invest in each other and invest in the people around them and invest in the, the larger Spokane community. It's just kind of uh, something that certainly for me draws me in and is kind of intoxicating and you want to be a part of that uh, work and that investing uh, in the people around you. And uh, so I would say of the many reasons that Newcom is important to me and that I choose to invest in this community, uh, maybe those things kind of sum it up. Hi, we are Kelly and Amir Riz. We have been going to Newcom for about eight years now. And I volunteer with the toddlers and Amir volunteers doing slides. We have chosen to invest in Newcom because this is our home church and we wanted to not just be on the receiving end of things. We really wanted to give back to the community and to other church members and so one way we can do that is by being as involved as possible 
What were you taught about giving while growing up, and what did generosity look like in your life as you were growing? So uh, when I kind of think about what I was taught about giving as a kid growing up, uh, certainly a lot of the things that our parents taught us come to mind, you know, the importance of being a giving person and that it's just generally good to be kind. And that can often look like uh, giving of yourself, of your time, um, perhaps of things that you have or your resources or whatever it is. Um to others, to folks who might need it more, whatever the case may be. Uh, but as I kind of reflect on what generosity looked like in my life as I grew up as a kid and young adult, certainly there were examples set that uh, speak maybe a little bit more loudly in my memory now uh, than the things that we were kind of taught overtly. And specifically, in my family, I mean, my parents, my brothers, uh, they're all just kind of the type of people that show up uh, when you need them, you know, times of crisis, times of great need. Um, these are just the type of people that will drop everything, put their personal needs last, and just kind of be in the business of meeting needs for others. And uh, I swear, time of crisis, there's nobody better to have on your team than my mom. I mean, she just puts everything else on the back burner while she is uh, meeting needs for others. And uh, that's pretty consistent across my family. So when I kind of think about what generosity looked like uh, as I was growing up, those types of memories certainly stick out as um, learning by seeing um, what generosity looks like in action. I don't know that I would characterize um, giving and generosity as something that our family like discussed openly all the time as like a pillar of conversation. Um, certainly we were taught how to be kind people and uh, to give of ourselves. Um, but some of those just kind of learned by action things are what stick out the most and seem to be um, the most relevant in my memory as I reflect on that. Growing up, I was always taught when I was little to share my toys and kind of the small stuff. But I wouldn't say that there was a huge culture of generosity that was modeled to me. Um, my parents, you know, went to church and always tithed and things like that. But I think that was kind of the extent of the generosity that I saw growing up. I grew up in a very uh, conservative Christian traditional home. I am one of six kids. Um, I'm the oldest girl, three boys, three girls. So whenever people look at me and think I have a lot going on, I'm like, boy, I kind of went out. I, I only have four kids. My dad is one of nine in a very traditional Catholic family. And my mom is one of 13 in a very traditional Catholic family. Um, and they uh, had my older brother. They were living back in Minnesota and they moved to Boise, Idaho. Um, and it was there that they met a family that really um, taught them how to love Jesus in a very deep um, and personal way. Um, so it was at that point that when we started in Boise, I don't remember too much. We were going to Catholic church, but then we started going to just a basic um, Bible church. And we went to the same church for as long as we lived there. Um, and we lived in Boise uh, until 1987. So the first 12 years of my life were in Boise, Idaho. And when we moved to Spokane, 
we also went to the same um, just very uh, the same church. And so the the formal idea of giving when you first talk about it, I often think my first thought is around um, tithing and money. And truthfully, we were not taught anything formal around that. There was always the idea of, oh, you see the offering plates and that means we're supposed to give money. And there was not a lot of um, formality um, around that. It just seemed to be this is something that we do when we go to church. Um, but but generosity, what that looked like in my my life, being one of six kids, um, my mom was a stay at home mom. My dad worked. Um, he was a traveling salesman, so he was very involved. Dad, but gone a lot. And um, when I think about generosity, I think about my mom, and she is she loves big. My mom is my hero. She lives and loves um, sacrificially. And so growing up, generosity was her, the the Schwann man. I don't know if anyone remembers the Schwann man, but they would come to the house with the frozen foods and they'd have those big buckets of ice cream. And in our house, you never threw away those buckets um, because after you got to eat all the ice cream, she would make these what she's kind of known for now, these chocolate chip cookies, and they were filled with chocolate chip cookies. Um, and our friends knew that after school we could come home and we would always get to have a couple chocolate chip cookies and a glass of milk. And over the years, I mean, my mom, the best were Friday nights. She would um, always had the chocolate chip cookies. I don't know if I don't know if she would run out. She probably did, but Friday nights were the best because she would make homemade pizza dough and she would make homemade pizza. And depending upon how many kids would pile into that kitchen, she would make the the homemade pizza. And then a lot of times she would have some dough left over. So she would make homemade cinnamon rolls for Saturday morning. And if you got really lucky, you would get to eat the homemade cinnamon rolls hot out of the oven on Friday night. And um, she was just so generous with her time and her affection. And And it wasn't until I was an adult that we had some of our friends that would just say, your mom saved me. I, I didn't want to go home, you know, home wasn't great. And my mom just showed us how to be generous with our time. She showed us how to be generous with, with loving people intentionally. And, um, just that's, she's just, that's just the biggest lesson, um, that I learned from her when it came to that and just a big, big, generous love. What have been your primary motivations for generosity and how does that act cause you to experience the presence of God? Amir and I feel that there are actually several things that motivate us to be generous, but the two main things that stand out is one, as Christians, we are called to love others the way that Christ has loved us. And being generous is a tangible way to show others his love, especially in a culture that is so focused on receiving and what they can get out of things um, instead of giving. Another motivation we believe is that everything that we have is from God and is really God's and we are just managing it. Having this mindset allows us to live our lives in such a way that we don't have to hold on to things so tightly so that when we see a need arise, we're able to 
easily step up and help provide that um, need if we can. I think that giving is a way that we can experience God because it helps us, it causes us to kind of step back and reflect on everything that we have been blessed with. And so by taking time to do that, it can really cultivate an attitude of gratefulness for not only the big things that God has um, given us, but also the small things as well. I think that uh, my primary motivations for generosity, uh, if I had to kind of boil it down, I think that generosity inspires generosity. And uh, what I mean by that is, uh, like when I think about times that I've experienced the generosity of others and been on the receiving end of somebody being super generous, there's just like this fullness and appreciation and gratefulness and um, just kind of joy in receiving that type of love from somebody that you just like don't, you can't possibly want to keep it to yourself. You want to share that. You're like, man, I want to do that for somebody else. I want to go make somebody else feel the same way because it's so good and so full. And on the flip side of that coin, when you are the benefactor, when you are on the giving end of generosity, I mean, I certainly get the same feeling. It's like either side of the coin, when you can be super generous and do something very nice for somebody, there's that same feeling of fullness and richness and just like joy that I think really only God can provide. Um, so it just kind of seems like generosity is like a window to the presence of God, to experiencing the presence of God. Uh, like I think about other times in my life that you could say are like culturally or on paper should be like the happiest or the coolest or whatever, but they lack, they often lack the fullness that you can experience, um, like simply by being generous to somebody or by receiving generosity from others. I think that that fullness is something only God can provide in life. And it's so intoxicating, no matter what side of that coin you're on, that you just want to give it to other people, that somebody else's generosity can inspire further generosity, both in themselves and in the people that they are giving to or spending time with or whatever that generosity looks like. So I think that like that feeling is kind of hard to put into words. I'm sure that we've all experienced that where it's just like that fullness and like unique joy um, that you just don't want to keep to yourself. You want you just naturally want everybody else to have a piece of that. All right. Uh, what have been your primary motivations for generosity and how does that act cause you to experience the present of presence of God? Um, I think a big game changer for me was having grown up in the church my entire life. I would say that a step that I, I kind of missed because we all have these different personalities and, and my personality is, is one that I am very loyal and and I I don't know that I made my faith my own until I was a young adult married and having kids and I really began to ask questions of of my faith and a game changer for me was um, meeting one of my dearest dearest friends whose name is also Jessica um, and she and I 
met while I was working at Starbucks, but we agreed sometime into our friendship that we were going to try to read the Bible in a year. Like, you know, that whole January, let's read the Bible in a year. And it was when the chronological Bible had first started being kind of hip. And so we decided to hold each other accountable. And I think in the beginning, it was probably just a really good excuse for a very tired and um, I was a young mom trying to figure stuff out. And I got we would meet at Starbucks uh, once a week and kind of go, hey, what did you pick up and what did you learn? And it became this really sweet time. And we didn't do it in a year, did it in 14 months. But it was a game changer for me. It 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 helped me make my faith my own. And I, I think I started asking more questions and more questions. But uh, it is my favorite way to read the Bible because you get to know who Jesus is. You get to see how important it is to have both the Old Testament and the New Testament and the foundation of our faith. And it shows you the incredible character of God, his love, his grace, his mercy, his deep, deep, generous love. And I really started to, um, one of the things that really came alive for me was, you know, in Galatians, it's, it's the one we all know, the fruits of the spirit. And I just looked at my faith and the faith around me. I try really hard just to focus on my faith, but if we're all being honest, we do have a tendency to judge those around us, but it kind of became this litmus test of the genuineness of, of, um, the people around me and their faith, because you, you have to have like the fruits of your deeply rooted faith come out. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, self-control. Um, and generosity has a piece of all of that um, in them. And I guess my primary motivations for generosity was we live in a world where I think that you're taught, especially in our specific you know American culture to be very independent um, we've become very jaded we've become very tight-fisted and um, to be generous on a number of fronts and I think to be generous with our with our money to be generous with our time to be generous with our love our God is incredibly generous and I have always struggled, I think, in my faith to I, I'm not going to be that person on a, sign, a corner holding a sign that says Jesus loves you. But um, generosity is is the way that I can share my faith. It is the way that I can say maybe you don't maybe you don't want to talk about Jesus. And I get it because you've been hurt by the church or you've been hurt by a, a number of things. But being generous is a way I feel like it's a, just a very um, simple way to share our faith. It's a very simple way for me to share my faith. And then if people go, well, why, why did you, why did you do that? It's just like, why well, have been given so much? Um, you know, and I think I shared that the first few years of coming back to Spokane were some of the deepest and darkest of my life. And that is where I absolutely clung to Jesus and he was generous in his love. Um, I needed a job and one came out of the blue. Um, I needed a place to live. A house became available in a place that there just shouldn't have been a house available. Um, Childcare was nearly impossible to find. And it just, God, it makes me want to cry. God was so generous 
so generous to me. Um, and, um, it's just a way to, to show people Jesus, to be generous. And we, we all don't always have, um, money to give, but we have different things to give, whether it's time or various forms of resources. And when you are generous, I think from a truly altruistic place, from a place that you want nothing from it in return, that is experiencing the presence of God. Um, Cause I think our motivations can get twisted easily. So hopefully that answered the question. Um, I have a tendency to rant a little bit um, or go off on a tangent, maybe a little more positive twist, but God is generous. He is so generous. And um, when I practice generosity in its different forms, um, that is just a way that you, I don't think we can do it in our very selfish nature without inviting God into that process. And when you invite God into the process, he's there and, and, get to experience his love and his grace and his mercy. What does generosity look like in this stage of life for you? And how have you experienced that changing in different stages of life experience? I think in my current stage of life, uh, generosity can look a lot of different ways. Uh, and I think that's primarily uh, because of uh, just life circumstance and ability. I think everybody's kind of got their own flavor of kindness and generosity based on, uh, in part, on life circumstance. Um, you know, I'm a 28-year-old guy. I live by myself. I don't really have a lot of responsibility, uh, especially at home, but outside of having a job and um, just kind of regular everyday stuff. I don't have a ton of responsibility and that can be great. Um, because to have that, uh, amount of time that I have, uh, and the autonomy, uh, over my schedule, it kind of creates opportunities for me to use that time as a resource, um, to be generous with. Um, I may not be somebody who can give, uh, in other ways or with other resources, super generously because of life circumstance. But uh, I would say over the last few years, I've learned that um, the resource of time and the ability to, you know, be in a lot of different places over the course of a day or a week or a month or whatever, uh, and be available to a lot of people is a great resource that I can use uh, generously, um, because it's available to me. Um, that has certainly shifted uh, over the course of my life, especially in adulthood. There have certainly been seasons of, of my life where I don't have um, that availability of time or that excess of time to use uh, in certain ways, or I have more responsibilities um, that require my attention at home or things like that. But um, I would say in my current situation, I've come to realize that that can be a great weapon and a great tool uh, to be used generously. Not that it always is. Uh, it can be wasted too. Um, but I've uh, just come to learn that that is something that I have a great excess of um, that I haven't always had. And that can be super valuable. So, you know, current stage of life, that can mean a lot of things. And that creates um, a large bandwidth for me to be available to a lot of different opportunities. You know, generosity to me just takes on different forms as I've talked about it, it it's um generous with with your your money it's generous with your time it's generous with your resources I think 
during the past five years, what I am most thankful for is people who were generous with their trust, um, trusting me and our, and, and just knowing that, um, they could pour into my kids and I, um, and I think generous with their wisdom, you know, we had such a difficult situation. Um, we still do. And people, uh, in new calm and outside of new calm who have just been so generous with their wisdom and their honesty, just those are game changers. Um, and so at this stage in my life, um, as much as I love, um, being like in positions of, I don't know, maybe leadership within church or whatever, the biggest thing that I need to be a leader in and generous in is with my family. Um, we, we have a lot of trauma that we're healing from and it'll be, it'll be a lifelong road of healing. And I'm, I'm okay with that. And I'm thankful for that actually, because it has so deeply, deeply, um, changed my faith to be absolutely like my faith in Christ is a non-negotiable. It has been, um, he has been the constant and the strength and the source of love in our family. And so um, I have to be so generous with my time with my four kids. And it's easy. I think when you, when you are in a position where you are it in your family, you're, you're it. Um, it can be easy to get to a position of being resentful. And I think because of the generosity of so many people that have poured into me, when people are generous with you, you want to be generous back. And there's no room for resentment when you're in a place of thankfulness and when you're in a place of of giving. And so I love pouring into my children. I love it. I I could weep with the amount of joy that my children bring to me. And anyone who is parents or if you're not a parent, you know, because you have friends that are parents or you were you're you were parented. Hopefully good. Maybe not. Um but it's hard. But one of the things that has happened in, in becoming um, a single mom is I fell in love with my kids again, like just deeply, deeply in love. I started to see their little individual quirks. And so this is a season where I am being um, just incredibly, I think, generous um, in how I love them and how I teach them. And it's it's hard to juggle all the time of that. But the other piece is, is um, I think connecting with people that at new calm that know my story a little deeper and um, they'll come and they'll say, Hey, I've got a friend, I've got a a friend, or maybe it's an acquaintance that is in a really difficult situation. And I think there's some really hard stuff going on in marriage, or I think there might be some abuse. And um, I've been able to step into um, relationships with women to be a a place that they can talk. Um, And that has just been a really, really cool thing. But I also, I think the other part is um, as my faith has grown and shifted is just really looking again, the idea of generosity with money. Um, It was, it became a a point in my life where it became a non-negotiable to me personally. And I know people land all over the place on this situation. Um, You know, and I remember listening to friends debate tithing and and it just became at that point where I was like, wow, I just don't want to do that. Um, and I, I locked myself in to regardless of where my finances were, I would always give to, um, 
Newcom. And I don't say that in any way to puff myself up because um, it's not always a lot. Um, but I think that that became a place of trust. Like that is such a trust thing when you go, I don't know if I can do this, but I am going to do this. And, um, and generosity at this stage of life is seeing that my kids showing them how to be generous, whether it's, oh, that person, that friend seems really sad. And, and, you know, maybe it's, hey, maybe they could use a, a picture or maybe a card in the mail. Um, but at this point in my life, it's really about my home and my kids and that we can be um, a place, a soft place for people to land in the same way that my mom provided that for many kids, that this could be a place for my kids' friends to land and that we practice generosity with one another. Um, and what I mean by that specifically is, especially in this season of quarantine, we are all cooped up here. There's five of us and a dog. So I really think I have five kids because Jackson is just, he thinks he's human. So I have five kids. And you, it, it strips us all raw, like all of our goods, all of our bads, all of our highs, all of our lows are on display to see. And we have had to be incredibly generous with forgiveness. We've had to be incredibly generous with grace and mercy. And I am one of those that, while I know we all want to go back out in the world, this has been the most amazing time to be with my little family and practicing generosity with one another, practicing generosity of um, sharing video games. Maybe you don't want to play that game, but your brother does practicing. Maybe you don't want to watch that show, but this is the one we're going to watch together as a family. Maybe you don't want to cook dinner, but you're going to, you're going to do it anyway. And um, I just think that God gives us opportunities to be generous dependent upon what stage of life we're in and it shifts and it changes because life shifts and changes. Definitely the way that we have given has changed um, over the years. When we were younger, we didn't necessarily have the financial means or resources to give. So we would try to give in other ways, um, for example, if somebody needed a truck to move, we had a truck, so we let them use our truck, or they needed a place to stay, you know, they could always crash with us, things like that. Um, in this stage in life, we are able to give more financially when we hear or see of a need. We are also able to give more of our possessions, um, meaning that instead of reselling things, we try to give them away to someone that we know needs them and would be blessed by them. There are so many options when it comes to giving generously. How do you discern who and how to give? Uh, there are so many options when it comes to giving generously. How do you discern who and how to give? Um, you know, right before we left California and came to Washington, um, we had been going to the same church. It was a beautiful body of believers, um, Clayton Valley Church. And I was just feeling really pulled to go to this other church. Um, one of my dearest friends, um, Jess Steinberg, had been going to, to Shelter Church. And she, I just loved going there. And we finally got to a point where the whole family, um, we decided to make this switch. And it was hard and it was painful. And I can't even go into the details 
Um, if you've ever left a church before, you can know it's painful. And especially if it's, you're, you're not leaving for anything bad. But, you know, we left a very conservative church to kind of come to at the point where it felt like a radical church to me. And it was there that I started learning really fancy terms like egalitarian versus, you know, complementarian. And I have been raised in a home. I've gone to a church forever that was very complementarian. And I did not have, I think, a very high view of myself. I did not have a very high view of what we as women could do. And this was such a game changer for me to know that I was being taught that, oh, yeah, if you're given the gift of teaching, girl, you teach. I'm like, really? Really? And um, I just, it sounds cheesy, but fell in love with being a woman and started to appreciate all the gifts that God had given to me. And I was empowered to use them. Whereas in the past, I was told you can't do that because you're a woman like that's for men. And again, I I have no disrespect for the people um, in the churches where I was at because it was um, they were always very loving. And so at this this church at Shelter, they also very believe strongly believed in the whole small group. They call them huddles. And so I got plugged into this group of women. And it to this day is probably one of my biggest losses in leaving California because I was just getting to know these women. But they were the kind of women that you were just like, I want to know. I want to know you. I want to be a part of your life. They were very diverse and eclectic in their desires and how they lived their lives. And they had been very involved in each other's lives and worked each other through some really hard times. And they were so generous with one another. They were honest with one another. Um when we left California, it was very abrupt. And um, I could I could shout out all of them. But one of the, the stories that pops out is one of the gals that was just the most influential in my life and is to this day, even though I don't hardly ever get to talk to her, see her is this gal, um, Bridget Welty. She's a young life leader. And um, when we left very abruptly, um, we had to pack up quickly. And I will never forget Bridget Welty sitting on my porch with a roll of tape and just putting boxes together, taping up boxes, taking taping up boxes. And, um, you know, Bridget was the kind of gal that um, my daughter, Sydney, um, needed needed some time and attention. And she shows up at my house, doesn't even know me that well, shows up at my house and boom. I'm going to take your kid out for ice cream and takes her out for the day. And it was just astounding how these women just loved on me um, from afar. They still love on me from afar. And um, but in being doing life with them for the short amount of time that I got to, one of the things that they taught me that helps me discern how and who to give is just the, the practice of being quiet and listening. I did not. I did not have that practice in place and I'm still quite terrible at it. Um, but just kind of learning to listen to how the Holy Spirit speaks. Um, and for me, what I learned through the the time with them and, and my ongoing faith journey is that it, when the Holy Spirit talks to me, it, it often comes as a thought in my head um, I have had the experience of kind of hearing a voice, but it's it, those are very rare experiences. But the it's a thought and it's a thought that needs to be meditated on. It's a thought that needs to be um, 
prayed over. And, um, and so that's like one of the, the disciplines that I learned, but also just one of the ways that I discern who and how to give is the examples of who has been so generous to me. Um, people that have um, given money, time, wisdom, they teach you the discernment of who and how to give. They're showing you how to do it. And I think we complicate something that's not very complicated. So it, it can be a quiet voice of, um, hey, guess what? You are going to roll down your window and the snacks that you intended for your children, you are going to hand them out to the window to that person that doesn't have anything. Um, yeah, maybe finances feel a little tight, but that person, that person needs um, something. It was in coming to Newcom, definitely that quiet voice was like, you're going to lock yourself into the discipline of monthly giving. And it, and it was uncomfortable at first. And now it's, it's not. Um, and in fact, it's often, I love that our church talks about giving when it comes to finances, because it really forces you to take a look at your life and um, to just really question, like, wh- how do I feel about money? And what, what, what am I doing with it? So um, I, I go by the examples of the, the people that have gone before me and been generous to me, but I also just try to be quiet and listen. And also, I just think the biggest plus for the whole thing, for the whole shebang of being generous is you're showing people Jesus. The bottom line is you are showing people Jesus. He was generous with us. And when we are generous, um, it's, it's just showing them Jesus. Honestly, if we hear of a need, whether it's through family or friends or through the grapevine or Facebook or wherever, um, we talk about it, we pray about it. And ultimately we just try to follow the spirit's prompting and leading. So I think that uh, the process of discerning, you know, to whom and how to give can be totally overwhelming for me. Um, The options, the opportunities, the need for giving generously seems so incredibly vast that I can be like totally paralyzed by where to start, where to end, what to say yes to, what to say no to, um, where is my generosity most valuable and so on and so forth. I think a lot of those questions are relevant to me all the time. Uh, and that discernment process can be super difficult. A uh, couple of things, just thoughts that come to mind on the topic. Uh, one is that structuring some of those giving opportunities just into my life um, is super helpful for me. Um, that could look like a lot of different things. It could be a financial gift Uh, once a month to an organization that is really important to me. It could be a, you know, volunteer opportunity with some frequency. It could look like a lot of different things, but as long as I kind of build those structures into my life so that they're always there, uh, that just seems to be helpful to me. Um, And a lot of times if I can find kind of sweet spots where those opportunities for giving intersect with things that I'm good at or things that I am very passionate about, Um, like I said, that's kind of a sweet spot. The kids group at Newcom is a great example. I know that I really enjoy hanging out with the kiddos in that third to fifth grade range. We have a ton of fun together. So it is uh, super fun for me and a great way for me to just give some time to those kiddos. So that's a sweet spot. I do also think that there are, um, there is some discomfort 
um, that is necessary in some forms of generosity, kind of getting out of our comfort zones and maybe doing things we're not so good at. But from a longevity standpoint, finding things that, like I said, I'm good at or really enjoy that are also ways to give to others. That's a total sweet spot for me. Uh, and then beyond that, I, you know, I think it's really important for me to try, not that I'm always the best at it, but to certainly try to walk through life with a posture of generosity and just treat daily interactions on that smaller scale rather than the, you know, more regular stuff, but just the daily interactions as uh, other opportunities that you can just always say yes to to being generous in those situations. So those are a couple of thoughts. Like I said, I think that discernment process is uh, regularly very difficult to me. And uh, so I would actually be super curious to hear what other people think on that and how other people approach it. Because uh, like I said, there's just so much opportunity and so many options that that can be totally overwhelming. Speaking into our community, how would you encourage people who are generous to continue in generosity? And how would you encourage those needing to step out in the faith of being generous? I would say start listening to the people around you, your family, your friends, your neighbors, even strangers. Start looking for little needs that you can tangibly meet, whether it's buying someone a coffee or groceries or loaning out your car or other possessions. In doing so, you will be the hands and feet of God. So uh, speaking into our community, uh, which I think is just uh, packed with super generous people um, who probably definitely know a lot more about this topic than I do. Um, nonetheless, my encouragement would be um, that your acts of generosity and acts of giving um, are almost certainly far more valuable and impactful um, than you may stop to consider or than what you think they are. Uh, I'm speaking strictly from a personal basis and not a basis of expertise, um, but having been the beneficiary of so much generosity within this community over the years, um, those acts and just the presence of such generosity um, has allowed me and I am certain so many others to experience God in different ways and in super full ways, um, which is so cool and so valuable for the kingdom that um, I, I guess my encouragement would be you may not stop to realize how much of an impact, you know, uh, acts of generosity are making, um, but they are super, super valuable. Uh, and for folks like me who feel like they need to continue to take uh, steps further out into the faith of being generous, um, I think my encouragement would be uh, a reminder, certainly something that we're probably all aware of, but um, it doesn't really require taking a giant step. Uh, things that often feel like small acts of giving or generosity to us um, are often monumentally huge for others and for the recipients of generosity. So hopefully that is encouraging to you all. Um, speaking into our community, how would you encourage people who are generous to continue in generosity? And how would you encourage those needing to step out in faith of being generous? Um, 
Well, it's been my experience that when when you start to be generous in one way or another, whether you're generous with finances or whether you're generous with time or whether you're generous with giftings, um, when those are done in an altruistic way, when they're done in a way where you're doing it because God has placed that on your heart, your heart grows bigger. Um, your desire to be more giving grows. And so, you know, for people that are, are already being generous, I think you already know the gift that that brings into your life. Um, if you are being generous in a way because God has called you to be generous in those ways. And I think about people in our community who have been generous to me that you don't even know whether you've sat and prayed with me, um, whether you have been generous. I, oh boy, I think of, I don't, I don't want to embarrass her, but I think of uh, Mel Scott and how generous she is to my kids, especially during this quarantine time. Um, and I don't know how she does all of it. I don't, I don't know. We, we work at the same place and we worked very demanding jobs and yet she still finds time to, I mean, she's been by my house twice to drop off gift baskets to my kids. And boy, one of the things I like to say is if you want to love me, love my kids. And boy, does that girl love me well. Um, and so if you're already giving, you already know. And if you don't know, maybe if you've received, if you've been on the receiving end, um, I think reminding people that have been generous to you, like, thank you. Because um, sometimes I think if we are regularly generous, um, sometimes it can happen that you do it out of just habit. And um, what started as something beautiful maybe has become um, maybe just a habit that there's not joy in it. And so be reminded of the joy that when you are generous with time, when you are generous with resources, with with wisdom, when you are generous with money and you are doing that, you are loving on people. Um, you are showing people Christ in very real and tangible ways. I think in this day and age, people are so cynical. They're so cynical um, the church is very divided. Everything is so politicized and the simple act of generosity. Um, <laughs> we gave our neighbors during the whole toilet. I think, are we still running out of toilet paper? I don't know. It, our neighbors ran out of toilet paper and we gave them a package of toilet paper and holy cow, you thought you would have, was it, do we call it? white gold at this point um it was crazy because it was nothing it was not a big deal to us and it was such a big deal to them that you know they didn't have to go in the store going in the store is a little scary right now um so just keep giving it's it's loving people in the simplest ways and it, it shows them jesus because people are very tight and people are scared and people um, are cynical. And when someone is just that really simple act of kindness, that simple act of generosity, that blossoms into the most beautiful things. And if you're doing it for the right reasons, if you're doing it because it's the right thing to do, if you will, um, you don't, you don't need a pat on the back. I mean, that's always nice of course, but you are doing it and you're showing people Jesus. Um, for those of you that need encouragement about stepping out of faith, 
you know, um, out in the faith of being generous. Um, I think I always go back to the idea that nothing I have is mine, um, especially as our family has has walked through this time. Like I said earlier, um, I, I needed a job and I didn't have one. And one was God was so faithful to the amount of people that I knew um, home to live. Um, and then, you know, kind of taking that step of faith personally and going, OK, uh, this is the the scariest my financial situation has ever been, but God has been so faithful to me. He has provided when I was so scared, so scared. So it it is an act of faith. It is scary, but it also is is it, it, there's no other way that it can't draw you closer to Christ. You become dependent upon Him for your wisdom. You can't become dependent upon Him. Um, to to be that guiding voice and I think it's also really important to have people um, that also have that faith that can keep you strong when your own faith falters so I would just encourage you that there's um, it is a joy it brings great joy um, there is nothing like seeing the the generosity of your time and your finances and your your giftings when you when you share those freely what it does it's it's a spark that lights a flame if you will and um we are in a community of incredibly generous people um and we're not a big community but i see that the the acts of generosity in our community the ripple effect and it has in Spokane and onward. So I just want to encourage everyone that we all have ways that we can be generous. It's not just a financial thing. I do think that piece is important because we we got to keep the lights on in the building. We got we 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 got to keep the the building up to date. I I think um I just think that being generous is part of our, our calling of our faith. We are called to be a generous, generous people. We are called to be a um, loving people. Um, I'm reading the chronological, I'm reading the Bible in chronological order with a friend again. I think this is my third third trip through chronologically. And, and I'm in the Old Testament. And one of my favorite parts in the Old Testament that I read about is, you know, when you have all this law that's being written and when you're talking about your your harvest and, and a section of your harvest is always supposed to be set aside for the sojourner, for for the immigrant, for the, the widows, for the children, like we are called to be generous. It's very simply, it's it's I think it's a non-negotiable but it plays out in many different ways. And I think that we are called to be a generous people. And if we are not doing that, I really sometimes have to question if we're, we're living out our faith the way that we should. And it's not intended to be like harsh or judgmental, but it's just a question that I oftentimes want to ask people is, how can we not be generous when we have the kind of God that we do who has been nothing but generous with his love and his grace and his mercy to us. Newcom, let me remind us that generosity can be a profound way of experiencing God. Our acts of generosity can enable us to see God at work 
in the lives of others, God doing internal work in us, and we can experience the joy of God using what he has entrusted to us to shape the world for his glory. May this week be a week where you pursue rich generosity. New community, I'd like to invite you to join us for communion. And we fully realize that it feels very different to not be face to face and doing communion. But whether we are in person or not, we believe it, that the sacrament of communion is a vitally important practice for us as a community and as individuals. So we'd love it if you could take a moment and grab some bread or wafers and also some uh, wine or juice or whatever you have. Um, and join us in this time of communion. I'm going to start by reading Matthew 26, 26 through 29. Now, as they were eating, Jesus took bread and after blessing it, broke it and gave it to the disciples and said, take, eat, this is my body. And he took a cup and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them saying, drink of it, all of you. For this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. I tell you, I will not drink again of this fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. So friends, take the bread and eat. This is Christ's body broken for you. Now take the cup and drink. This is Christ's blood spilt for you. Pray with me. God, we are so grateful for who you are. And God, we are so grateful for this community. Um, Lord, thank you for the gift of communion and that we can have communion with you. God, I ask that you uh, just Show us the areas in our life where we need to draw closer to you, God. Um, we ask that you are in this time and that your presence is known to us, God. May we experience your presence this week. In your name we pray, amen.
community, join me for this benediction. Brothers and sisters, take your encouragement from Christ that your joy may be complete. Share in the spirit, practice humility and compassion, and lean deeply into the joy of generosity. Welcome Christ into every corner of your soul. Strive after a life of love worthy of the gospel. Go forth in peace. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.